Welcome to Opt In with April Jasper. Relevant conversations about topics important to eye care providers today. Before neural lenses, I always had eye strain, eye dryness, eye fatigue, moderate to severe headaches. I had to take prescription medication. It was to the point where I guess they'd want me to sit down and color or read them books, and I couldn't. I couldn't do nothing. When I got my neural lenses, my headache went away. I wasn't taking Tylenol anymore. Can't explain it, but it worked. I would pay double for my neural lenses because I can't go a day without them. Welcome everyone. I am so glad you've joined us again today. And we are gonna have a great time because I am in West Palm Beach, Florida and Professor John Nolan is not. Where are you at, Dr. Nolan? Yeah, I'm in the sunny Southeast in the Republic of Ireland. I'm, I'm at the Nutrition Research Center Ireland this morning. Wow. Well, I want everyone to know a little bit about you as we get started. So uh, John Nolan is a professor uh, and research director and founder of the Nutrition Research Center Ireland based at Southeast Technological University. So Dr. Nolan, I've been with you. Professor Nolan's been on, a, on different conversations with me for a long time, and we've talked a lot about macular pigment research. But before we get started on our topics today, I really want him to tell you a little bit more about himself, his beautiful family, and what he's doing these days. Yeah, thank you, April. Thank you for the opportunity. And it's, it's always wonderful to connect with you and have these type of discussions. So yeah, I'm, my name is John, obviously. I'm a research director uh, of the Nutrition Research Centre Ireland. Um, I'm, we're at Waterford, um, and it's just recently we um, upgraded to a university. So it's the Southeast Technological University. Yeah, I live here with my family, my wife, Jane. I have two little girls, uh, Penny and B, um, seven and three years of age. So they are the heart of our life. They're the, the heart of our family and they keep me very, very focused and very honest. But um, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, I've been doing this research now for approaching 25 years, believe it or not, from when yes. I started my own PhD. So it's been quite a journey. It is definitely hard to believe it's been 25 years, but uh, you look great. The family's amazing. And I just love that you have done so much, John, to impact our practices and what we do every day with our patients. So everybody's been waiting. Tell us, what are you working on currently and uh, what gets you all excited about the research that you're in today? Yeah, you know, I suppose if, if we think about it for a little bit, not too dissimilar to clinical practice, the success of what we can do is related to the opportunities in terms of technology and advancements in information and, and research is, is the same. And we, you know, we spent so many years really trying to understand, you know, about the macular pigments, the carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, and mesozeaxanthin in terms of like, how can we change them in a positive way? And if you were to ask me, what have we done in, in our research? I think we've really figured that piece out that we, we've identified them. We know that they're important. We now know how to measure them. That's one of the big advancements in terms of the research piece, at least. And um, we know how we can apply that information to help patients. Um, and that is, I think the big learnings over the last decade have been that, you know, these nutrients are not just for sick eyes. They're not just for macular degeneration or, or retinas that are being, um, you know, deteriorated. Yeah. Of course, they're important for the, those populations, but in terms of optometry, it's, it, it's kind of like, I always use the sunscreen analogy, you know, we shouldn't wait till we have this sunburn 
before yeah. we're proactive in terms of using these antioxidants. And it's no different in terms of what we've been able to do. And, you know, I'm so proud of what America has done, America Optometry, um, in terms of connecting with science. Um, it's been a long journey, but I have to say, in terms of eye care and optometry, you know, your colleagues have led the way in this field. Um, and as a scientist, you know, we, we live on a currency of publications and research grants, and it's, 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 a, it's a tough environment. Publications are one thing, but when you see an eye doctor, um, you know, connect with you and connect with the science that you've been part of and then implement that successfully. Yeah. I think for a scientist, that's the biggest win that I could have ever dreamed of, that, that this is actually happening. And I saw this actually most recently in the last few conferences I've been at, you know, the, it was like clinical validation of everything that we've been saying, this international project that is macular pigment research and all the brilliant scientists from all over. But to, hear, the most, to see the doctors come back, doctor after doctor and say, yeah, this is great. We've had so much success. Tell me about their own case individuals. Tell me about their patient stories. Wow. For me, this is just mind blowing. I, I remember saying to Jane, uh, I was at a conference in Washington and Palm Springs recently, different, different events. And it was a consistency of message. And I think that's just yeah. wonderful for our scientific community, but most importantly for the doctors and for the patients, right? Absolutely. You know, you, you brought up a really good point. We have for so long, our energy in the clinic has been focused on patients that are losing vision as a result of age-related macular degeneration. And we've just, you know, it's, it's a horrible moment when you're there with a patient and they're sad, I'm sad. And I know there isn't much I can do other than now they go down the road of injections. And so for the longest time, we just didn't know what else to do other than start that conversation when they had a problem. And so I have really enjoyed this new world, this new life of prevention. Yeah. And so here's the confusing part though, John, it's confusing for us as clinicians when we don't know what conversation to have and we don't know what product to use. So how has your research made a difference. And maybe we should start by you telling us a little bit about the different types of research. Yeah, okay, for sure. So the different types of research that we do here, and, and I'll, I'll answer those because your question is very, very timely and very important. But, but to, to, to tell you about the, the research we've been able to do is because of the different types of research that we do. So what do I mean by that? So at the facility I'm speaking to you from today at the university, downstairs we have analytical chemists, biochemistry, nutrition, vision science, optometry, um, general care, epidemiology. So all, it, that's multifactorial. It's multidisciplinary, right? And, yeah. um, you know, and it's really, so that's the type of research that's underway. That's, that's what we're doing. Ultimately, when we run a human clinical trial, um, we, what you're trying to do is have a research question, can we improve macular pigment in a way that we can enhance vision for a healthy population? That might be the question. So right. to do that, it takes all of these elements of expertise to be able to design a protocol and conduct an experiment to answer a question. Because to your to one of your first questions, April, and that is like, it's confusing, right? So, yeah. you know, it takes a brave doctor to make a decision to, to make a recommendation maybe like this. But the only, the only kind of comfort that we can give is that if this is built from a solid evidence-based scientific place. Yep. So, and I think that's why, that's why it's worth. So the, the research that we're doing at the moment, you know, we've just published new work um, with how we can enhance, for example, 
the bioavailability of the carotenoids. So if you're taking, you know, the supplement we use, we was Macu Health in, in, in that intervention. Um, but we were able to formulate it and work with the providers in a way um, to enhance the, the formulation. So it's more stable, more bioavailable. So now when you make a recommendation to your patients, you know they're going to get a better result, at least in the changing the circulating levels. And now we have the evidence that that's really important for vision and protection against diseases like macular degeneration. So, you know, and you, you ask, you know, the other point of the question was, look, well, it's kind of confusing, not just should we do this? Yes, we know we should do this. And how do we do it? It's probably the other element right. of the question. And, and this, is, this is more timely than ever because over the pandemic, we, we published um, some work showing that about 70% of commercially available supplements are like inactive, unstable, degrading. And it's this type of um, information that takes the confidence away from the eye doctor. Because what, what can they trust? What can they do? And so, you know, when I'm lecturing, I speak about, you know, making a recommendation and it's absolute time that we do that, but do so using the evidence base. And there's some very simple questions that an eye doctor can, can, can ask the sales reps or whoever is promoting the, the various supplements to them is to show you the specific research that has been done on that product. Because what you see a lot of is that um, commercial companies will will kind of plagiarize, uh, if you like, yeah. scientific experiments and, and make claims relating to their product, which may be true, but unless they're tested, we don't know. And the one thing I found in, 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 in carotenoid macular pigment research is that there's lots of differences in terms of how a supplement will perform. And it all the science begins in the marigold field, where these come from, you know, how they're harvested, yeah. how they're processed, how the, the company we work with, Industrial Organica, that the work, the work that they do to deliver the most pure product available um, that thereafter um, is, is formulated and companies like Macu Health then have had so much success with, with their formulations because of the investment into that keyword being quality, okay? And the patient deserves quality and the doctor deserves quality, right? You know, um, so I think it's a good time though for this because I think there's, you can ask for that research. So the specific research and the other piece is, a very simple question is, does the product have a quality symbol? Does it have a stability program that it's part of? A very simple question to ask. And um, with full disclosure, I must say that our university provides that service. Um, and we did so not that we set up that we wanted to kind of provide a service of testing of these supplements. And we will test any supplement, you know, it, it's it, there's no exclusivity in terms of the type of supplements that we analyze. Any commercial organization that wants to have their product tested, which they should be made do, by the way, right. we will do that. And we did that because our lab scientists who are brilliant, really, really figured out how to kind of separate the carotenoids, to quantify them accurately, um, ISO standard quality in terms of what we do. And, um, and you know, we, we learned that some supplements, for example, if they're not in an oil, they'll be degraded in about 25 days to, wow. so you you know, it's that quick. So, um, so what, what we're putting our finger on here, April, is that one of the goals of our, our, our research now is actually lobbying with governments and policy to enhance regulatory procedures around uh, the sale and use of supplements, because we know they work, but they'll right. only work if they're active, if they're present. So that's kind of, um, 
you know, maybe left of center in terms of absolute science that we're doing, but it's something that's very key to, to, to the Nutrition Research Center Ireland. So supplement certified being the, the, the program, the supplement certified program. I, I have it here. You can see that it's trademarked by the university. This is the, the symbol that you should look for, which means that that product um, goes on a quality uh, assessment protocol um, over its lifetime, shelf life, and over the life of the, of, of the label claim on the product. Wow, that's good information for patients to know as well, because I know they get very confused. And unfortunately, all doctors don't give the same prescribing recommendations. And so for patients, it can be challenging. Yeah, I think the prescription piece is key. You know, yes. the patient wants you to prescribe. They're yep. there because you're the best at what you do and they have trust in you. And that's why they're paying for the service. And they don't want to leave your clinical practice room not knowing what to do. Right. They want to know what they should do. Um, Absolutely. So I think that's that's really, really important for your listeners to kind of consider, you know. So what were the two questions? Can you tell us again, remind us again, what were the two questions that you can ask someone walking into your practice to verify whether or not their product is something that should be used? A quick question one is, has this product been tested in, in a human clinical study? where the safety and the efficacy, so the, the positive outcomes have been demonstrated. So that's specific to the product. And the second question is, does that product have, have stability, is a part of a stability program where the seller of the company can give you, the doctor, and the patient the confidence that what you're paying for is what you're getting? Um, because the evidence suggests that it's not, if it's, if it's not formulated correctly. So the only way is that it can be, can be assessed on a, on a stability program, which is a major commitment, by the way, for companies to do. It's, yeah. it's, you know, they have to kind of sign up to proper membership of this, where every lot that's produced is sent to the ISO lab um, for, for analysis. And, um, but, you know, yeah. I, I think it's time that we draw a line between, you know, the organizations that do this right, that yeah. provide the quality formulations. The other piece, maybe there's a third piece to it, and, and, and I'm scientifically biased here, and that is I, I, I truly believe that the inclusion of mesoxyzantin is, is, delivers outcomes that are superior to, to formulations that don't have the three carotenoids. And equally, I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes um, coined as the mesoxyzantin guy. Yes, I am, but I, I believe in having the three parts of the jigsaw. So lutein is very important, zeaxanthin is very important, and meso. And that's why we've evolved as humans to concentrate the three carotenoids in the macula, not just one, not just two. There's three parts of this jigsaw. Well, since you brought up the jigsaw, I want you to help us. If we were to be communicating with a patient right now, the benefits of those three nutrients, tell us how you would do that. Like, what would you say to a patient about what makes this supplement different and why it's important for them to use and maybe even when to use it, meaning early prevention, that sort of thing. Yeah, I suppose um, the, the when to use it kind of comes down to the desire uh, and the goals of the patient themselves. So some patients that, that you'll be familiar with will come into your practice and they'll say, doctor, please, is there anything I can do to kind of, I want to have a better performance of vision or I'm a little bit uncomfortable, you know, playing sports, golf, maybe, or tennis or, or driving at night. These are all the kind of, is there anything you can do? And so, so the first answer to that is that, you know, by enrichment of these pigments with the three carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, and meso, over a six-month period, you can significantly nourish the macula. 
and in a way that that will deliver visual performance benefits for your patient. So in that case, it's kind of from a functional benefit and yeah. you'll have patients who are well-informed about that. And I think, you know, we have new projects starting now, for example, with Sports Singapore, um, where we're working with their Olympic athletes in terms wow. of taking, you know, everything from across the sports, but we'll focus on shooting performance in terms of the Olympic athletes in, in that scenario. So that's very, very, we have a PhD program just started on that. Um, so that's one thing. The other piece is, of course, patients that present to the practice, to the clinic that are well worried because maybe they have the start of macular degeneration right. or maybe they have a family history. In that situation, it's absolutely a no-brainer that there is an opportunity here to do something really well with the, with the MACU health intervention. Um, I take it personally myself, so does my wife, Jane. Um, and that, that's something that, that you can do. And prevention, you know, cliche and all, but prevention obviously better than cure. We can't afford the disease macular degeneration, the aging population, the growing population, the change in nutritional profiles, the change in dietary patterns. Yeah. You know, there's a car crash coming down the road here. So we have to behave differently. We have to behave differently. And, and optometry is uniquely placed yeah. to lead the charge in how we do that. And how we, I believe we'll celebrate aging in, in a much more meaningful way if um, we can do, make subtle changes via safe and targeted and effective supplementation throughout our life. Right. When I'm 80, I want to be able to enjoy the football game. You know, I want to be able to watch the, the, the golf like I did last night and um and so on so yeah it's it's about for me it's not even the, about the disease piece it's about the the real-time visual function benefits so so that would be I mean I wouldn't have that much time with the patient of course I've I've, I've waffled a bit here but I just there's so many oh, no. layers to it you know there's so many layers to how doctors can feel comfortable yeah. to help benefit their patient and the patient will see it. The patient yes. will be rewarded. And that's the most important thing. I love that. That was actually perfect. So you talked a little bit about uh, the patient who wants to see a difference in visual function, maybe an athlete or someone who wants to just see better. Now the patient's walked in the door, though, that actually has those signs of drusen or they have a family history. And so they are concerned as well. And I just want to give doctors a way to have that conversation with that patient who has a little different concern. They do want to have great vision, but they're also just concerned about the disease itself. So would you frame that conversation a little bit different about the carotenoids? Absolutely, and I think, so a couple of key pieces here, and we know this from our earlier publications, the most trials, the mesozoic antinocular supplementation trials, and then validated clinically by the CREST AMD trial. So two, two big learnings here for that population that you, that you summarize. One is that we know that patients at risk of age-related macular degeneration, and if you have family history, you're at risk, by the way, um, or with early signs, so your drusen, and your pigmentary changes, we know that these individuals are significantly likely to have a depression in their macular pigment, which means that they don't have that typical mountain profile. They have what we've coined a central dip. And we hypothesized that that was likely due to a deficiency of the mesozeaxanthin carotenoid. And that was because the, from the brilliant anatomy studies, we could see that meso was concentrated right at the center. Wow. So we actually performed head-to-head -head clinical intervention trials. And long story short, in the patients um, that, we, that had the dips that we gave lutein, they left the experiment with a dip. But when we gave them mesozeaxanthin, we were able to rebuild that volcano into that typical mountain. 
So we were, if you accept that the carotenoids and the macular pigment is beneficial to have and is beneficial to be optimized centrally and across the macular pigment profile, we've now solved one part of the problem. We can fix it. And then in, in our earlier trials, we saw you know, improvements. And as you know, I have a, a passion for assessment of visual function, particularly around contrast sensitivity. Um, we, we always use contrast sensitivity as a primary outcome measure. But when we looked at our AMD population, so we were unlike ARIDS, right, which is like um, had participants in who, and particularly in ARIDS2, everyone in ARIDS2 was already supplementing. Um, in our AMD experiment, we only recruited patients who were newly diagnosed with drusen pigmentary changes. So they'd never bad news for them, they'd just been told, yeah. and we got right in there that front line. And these participants were then invited to take part in the Crest AMD trial. And um, in that experiment, we, we ran the three carotenoids versus a, a supplement that had the two carotenoids, lutein and zeaxanthin. And it was the co-nutrients that you see in ARIDS as well, but with very clear distinction, low zinc, okay? We might come back mm -hmm. to that in a little bit, because um, the 80 milligrams of zinc is not beneficial and potentially toxic, as we know. And so you get the same results if you have low zinc. But long story short, we didn't conduct that experiment to, to, to look at the disease. Although we did look at the disease, we quantified it, we spent a lot of money and a lot of time to do it. We worked with Moorfields Eye Hospital in London to do that. But we weren't powered like ours to look at morphology, to look at disease. But we were powered and we did design an experiment to look at function. And I, if I remember correctly, out of 32 tests of visual function that we looked at in these patients, we, what would normally happen is their vision would deteriorate. And contrast, by the way, is the first to drop. I think it was something like 27 of them got statistically better. And we're just about to publish new data now showing and demonstrating very clearly the clinically meaningfulness of this. So it's not just statistics that you get your p-value and everyone's happy. It's does this clinically mean something? And right. it remarkably does. So, so the reason why I'm telling you this is, um, you know, if we were to live in the world of that arid study only, and I'm not, you know, it can be critical or non-critical, complementary. I'm, I'm pretty much both when I look at arids in terms of what it's delivered. It's a very valuable experiment. We've learned a lot from it, but it's, but we we have learned a lot since then. Yeah. Um, and the first thing we it makes as a nutritional biochemist, it makes absolute no sense for me that any eye doctor, whether it's ophthalmology or optometry, will wait until something to get so sick that the only solution then is to inject, you yeah. know, or about 3.3% of the people suffering with this standard medical care is let's wait till the retinas are so inflamed that we have to do a, a, a treatment that costs $20,000 a year. That's very kind of painful for the patients. And I'm not critical of that treatment. It's a wonderful treatment for what it does. And, uh, and I get it, but it doesn't fix the big, big problem of, of retinal disease or macular right. degeneration. We have the power to change that. And nutrition is a major modifiable risk factor in what we can change. The other elements, of course, which everyone will know will be smoking cessation, lifestyle is a pillar, you know, exercise, all these wellness pieces that we can and should put together so as we speak through this together, really, I mean, I would hope that the eye doctors that, you know, maybe are a little bit confused will feel empowered that there is something that, that that's been very much tested. That's yeah. uh, very effective. And, um, 
And we also have clinical validation of that. I think that's the other piece. It's not just the scientists talking about it. You know, it's, 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 it's been tested in the clinic with great success. So we've talked a lot about macula, but uh, how has this macular research gone from that to some conversation about vitreous? Yeah, well, look, before we go to the vitreous, so we should acknowledge, and maybe for another conversation, it's also cognitive, right? So the, oh, the, macula, yeah. Yeah, the macula being that, that that seeing part of uh, of the brain, you know, the retina being that seeing part of the brain, and we've have a wealth of valuable information there around cognitive functions. We've had several PhD programs con- successfully concluded here, major work in Alzheimer's disease, and again, it's down to that That's antioxidant, right. um, anti-inflammatory. You know, probably a lot more sophisticated than what I'm giving them credit in terms of what carotenoids wow. do. You think of how they operate in plants, they turn enzymes on and off activation. The brain is the same. They're living in our gap junctions. And we have a new paper about to be published, um, which is remarkable in terms of what it's delivering for Alzheimer's patients in terms of quality of life, enhancing um, care report improvements in mood and memory. Just just, you know, we're not going to fix Alzheimer's with a supplement, but we can certainly help the symptoms and hopefully reduce the burden and reduce the incidence of it. So. We might come back to that another time. The vitreous, to answer your question. Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest. I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed at how little I knew about the vitreous when we started this um, work. Uh, it's probably nine years ago now that we we started to, to look at the vitreous. And as a very successful and brilliant doctor from California, Dr. Sibak says, it's time that we look at the vitreous and not just through it, you know. Um, <laughs> Love that. Well put, right? So, the, you know, the vitreous... Um, came of interest to us building upon our capacity to work with nutrition building upon our capacity to understand visual function and how to quantify that and really um, essentially listening to to the environment in terms of what patients sufferers were saying you know uh, eye care is guilty of trivializing vitreous floaters as as a nuisance you know it's just a nuisance it'll go away it's much much more than that and if you look at the major work by uh, jerry sibak He's been right about this for a long, long time. He's an amazing scientist um, and doctor and his, his work on, um, you know, quality of life and how patients are affected um, with, when they're suffering with, you know, vitreous degeneration, um, right. um, but bleeding up to that vitreous floaters, of course, being, being a symptom leading up to these degenerations, you know, all these. If you think about it, the vitreous itself, you know, it provides the optical system that you and, and everyone likes to do business within. You know, it provides the system for optics. Right. It's quite remarkable, right? Yeah. Um, and all the retinal issues that are eventually present are the consequence of the vitreous kind of just not being optimal or, be, you know, starting to liquefy and, and so on. Um, so that, that, that's interesting. The big news, I suppose, was that the discovery and the acknowledgement that the vitreous is not a closed system. It's an open system. Contrary to maybe what people were taught in optometry programs in optometry school, the vitreous has a passive and active transfer of of many, many active micronutrients, enzymes, and so on. Um, And, you know, it's one of the first pieces of work of a scientist who just finished his PhD on this at our facility. Um, He did a major literature review, and I was blown away by the the multiplicity of data that was out there in terms of that, you know, various studies of specific nutrients of the vitreous. And his first, Emmanuel's first exercise was to put all that together. 
um, to see how much of it was there. And it's quite mind blowing the amount of antioxidants. And then what you try and do is see what's concentrated and localized. So what's kind of really there, what's really potentially meaningful. And, and one of them was a, a vitamin C. And uh, it was news to me when I learned that, you know, when I'm studying vitamin C, because I'd never studied vitamin C, really. It wasn't, it's a water soluble uh, vitamin. I've focused on my carotenoid friends. But um, to see that, that vitamin C actually, um, the question I'd ask you is like, why is the vitreous not yellow? When you think of vitamin C, yeah. classically, we see it as yellow orange, right? Right. Yeah. So the it's it's not because it's not a vitamin C in the vitreous is not oxidized. Vitamin vitamin C is only yellow when it's oxidized, which I found wow. quite amazing. Yeah. So um, that's interesting. But anyway, to the point, um, we see we see that there's in my view there's two types of people that that exist. There's people that have floaters and genuinely can live with them. Um, they're not obviously bothersome. They just get on with it. They've got used to it. But there's a large percentage of uh, that population who really are suffering. And um, so we ran an experiment whereby, and it was in a collaboration with a German um, German colleague, uh, Robert Cookling. He has a, an organization called the Bega Vision. And uh, he worked with a couple of German ophthalmologists and a Polish ophthalmologist. And he approached me about the vitreous and said, look, we'd love your center to consider doing research with nutrition of the vitreous, we believe there's something there. And I was very reluctant, you know, non-responsive, if I'm <laughs> to be honest, uh, wrongly so. But we eventually got on the journey and we built it from a very solid sci scientific foundation using all our skills from what we had learned up to that point. Um, and we, we, we worked with optometry, local optometry, um, some very good optometrists around the Waterford region who were delighted to hear that something was being done in the area of vitreous. And um, we, we eventually recruited our patients actually through a vitroretinal surgeon here at the Institute of Eye Surgery, Dr. Eugene Ning, one of the world's best vitroretinal surgeons. And he basically said, look, I have, I have a whole bunch of patients, John, who, who are really, really suffering. I agree with you. It's, it's, it is a disease. Um, they're not suitable for vitrectomies or laser or, or have opted not to have that. Um, so let's maybe start there. So we ran the, what we coined the, the Floyd's trial. And, um, six months of intervention and wow. um, the primary outcome measure in, in, in and it was placebo controlled. The primary outcome measure in that was um, vision related quality of life. And essentially two questions, you know, are the floaters bothering you um, kind of your daily life and just scaling that, you know, validated questionnaire all the way back to how, how have they affected you over the previous six months? So these were the two subjective questions. Um, and remarkably, we were able to work with our Heidelberg system using wide angle, 103, 103, 105 degrees wide angle, where we were able to capture this the, and quantify um, using a novel approach, the actual size of the floaters in these patients. And that was wow. really cool to be able to do that. It's very research based at the moment, but we were able to validate that and very high repeatability. So if I was to repeat it on three occasions, my interclass correlation was like 0 0.95, 0 0.96. So oh, basically man. getting the same score. Yeah. So we were pretty much ready to go and we ran a placebo control. Um, there was a subtle placebo effect, which you would expect in the study of this in terms of the subjective outcomes but there was a highly significant uh, improvement in quality of life. I think 70% thereabouts of the patients on the active ingredients, um, the vitreous health ingredient demonstrated, um, reported a significant improvement in their vision related quality of life wow. and, and reduced suffering of their floaters. You know, so there was still 
reported no benefit from this. So we must, you know, we must scale the excitement around that. But imagine if we have something that is 70% effective to this point, and that's only with six months of intervention. But the big win was when that was able to be um, correlated with the objective measures. So we could physically see, you know, a shrinking of the opacities. Wow. And then the question is, well, how and why? You know, which is always the question us scientists have to try and address. And the honest answer is we don't have all the answers, but um, basic logic, again, speaks to the antioxidant effects. So cleaning up the vitreous, keeping it healthy. Essentially, the collagen fibers and our crosslinks are, 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 are being compromised. They're, they're being oxidized. And it's like, I explained it to my daughter, Penny, like, think of a ladder because she was asking me to explain it. And I was like, imagine if the steps of the ladder just broke in the middle, what would happen to the ladder and it collapses. So this is what happens with the collagen fibers. And then they, co they, they join together, they form this conglomerates. And then obviously glycation being the other known uh, mechanism around uh, the formation of uh, vitreous floaters. Um, so the anti-glycative properties of these nutrients. And also then finally piece that we discussed in the paper is the enzymatic benefits of uh, L-lysine, for example. So it's, it's, it's a combination of, um, you know, naturally occurring nutrients like L-lysine, vitamin C, there's very low amounts of high effective zinc and so on um, that are locally present and have the ability to, to, to deliver a synergistic benefit across those mechanisms. So, so this very, is... So yeah. I, I, the only thing I'm confused about, so help our uh, listeners to understand, is this different, John, than MacuHealth? Oh, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, no, um, these are water-soluble vitamins. Um, okay. So basically, for your listeners, what, when we looked at the macula, we looked at the nutrients that were concentrated in the macula. It seems very obvious, but you know, sometimes people forget that question. What's actually localized? So right. we do the same. Um, so... The vitreous is, is, is mostly water, you know, 98% water. So you're looking at a water soluble environment. Um, so, yeah, so basically it was concentrating and identifying the nutrients that are, are, are present in the vitreous. So and, two um, different products, but a patient could take both. Great question. Of course. Yeah. Cause there's no, there's no, they're not going to compete with each other. Um, like one of the, one of the issues with, with carotenoid supplementation could be that if you were taking like many other carotenoids, like beta carotene or lycopene, that I call it the taxi system, the blood system, and it can only carry so many of these nutrients. And if you over-concentrate one, you can become defective in the other. So that's why MacuHealth has been so effective because, you know, we've worked with various ratios. We've looked at at what point does a carotenoid become kind of suppressed and deflated um, by over, we saw this in Aritz. We saw with beta carotene, there was a suppression and decline in lutein. Um, with these um, nutrients of vitreous health, this is another product. Um, it's another product and uh, it, there's not going to be any interaction. I actually take both because I am, um, I, when I presented the paper for the first time in the US on, on the vitreous, I, I told a personal story, which was I had, um, I had been suffering a little bit myself with, with floaters. And uh, over the pandemic, I, I started playing tennis because um, I, I used to race half marathons and stuff, which I still do a lot of running, but I wanted to do something else. So my wife, Jane, signed the girls and I up to the tennis club, you know, <laughs> which is just down the, the road from where we live. So I was a very competitive guy. So I started to play tennis and um, and I found that these these um, the effects of the floaters were, were pretty traumatic for me. And 
Unfortunately, I had, I had a very uh, difficult scare this year. Um, I was in Hawaii at a conference, the Island Eyes conference, and I nearly drowned April. I had um, I got caught in a riptide in oh. Hawaii. Yeah, I was I was probably a minute away from not doing this podcast, to be honest. So oh, I had a very man. traumatic experience. Yes, yeah, some local guy, thank thank God, saved me at you know seven thirty in the morning. I was stupidly went swimming on my own, and um, he saw I got into trouble. But anyway. I was pretty, um, I was okay after it, but I had a really kind of bad episode. Now I've been checked, everything has been checked. So I went on the product myself in January, um, the Vitreous Health, and um, I still have some, I still have some floaters, but it got to the point where I, I actually didn't want to play tennis at one stage. And now wow. thankfully, it feels all, no, my case, not real science, case study N equals one, you know, but um, I, I like telling the story because yeah. I would really, really um, miss taking that product. So um, what, what happens then, John, will you end up, will you stay on the product when you stop using the product? What will happen? Is this something patients are going to ask? Do I need to be on this for my lifetime? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think, I think for the patients that are really suffering when they get on it, I think it's my experience is that you're kind of reluctant to come off it. Oh, sure. What happens when they come off it, I don't know. I, I can only be honest with you. I don't know. Um, so it may be that if, you know, if people find it effective and it works and they want to take a break from it and see what happens, um, maybe we'll have to do a longer intervention. And, uh, you know, we're actually at the moment talking with um, Dr. Sibak about, because he published with us, by the way, on the major review we did. And he's very, as a what he said to me as a vitreoretinal surgeon, you know, he sees the pain in patients. Yeah. He sees the suffering. And, um, you know, he's really interested in what we've achieved so far, just like any good scientist wants it to be replicated, wants to do more. Um, he's very interested. Actually, we're going to design an experiment where we actually quantify these nutrients in the vitreous following intervention. That's one of the, the data points we're looking at because wow. there is more we need to do on this. But right now it's a very safe, effective solution that and the patients will tell you, you know, if I'm wrong, you can tell me on the next podcast. <laughs> but, okay. um I, I, we, we've seen already from when I presented this a couple of months ago in the US, I've had so much communication back from patients who are so grateful and doctors alike. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Well, I don't know, John, if you are having some of the same issues that we are here in the US, but I want to change the subject just for a second and uh, tell you a little bit about that. We, we really are struggling with uh, ha having success in training new employees, because we have such issues with staff turnover. Life is different now. Post-pandemic, uh, we are seeing all kinds of changes in, in staffing. And so I know, and I wanted to make sure we bring this up before we get off the, this podcast and move on to another one. Next time, we'll talk more. But if you could just briefly talk about something I think is equally interesting and incredible that you have put together, which is called MacuLearn. How can that help us with bringing our teams to a level of understanding of what you're doing and of products that will help us in practice. Yeah, thank you for, the, for that opportunity. So again, MacuLearn is, um, is basically an educational online service that is delivered from the university here. And, um, you know, some of the great speakers, that Dr. Stringham, myself, Mark Rourke and others are, have um, contributed to the content of, of this. The idea um, was, I suppose, just like everyone over the pandemic, how can we help? How can we make information available? You know, and, um, you know, it worked to a degree in that regard where 
uh, doctors were able to get their their it's COPE approved, so they were able to get their continual education points, no problem. Um, and but actually, one of the places I've seen this work best is that there's um, an uh, an ophthalmic technician or you know a system. Yeah. I'm not sure how you how you. Um, That's perfect. That okay? Yeah. So I didn't want to misrepresent them. Um, that brilliant population or that those brilliant workers because they're so valuable to what you do. But then that's exactly the point. They're so valuable to what happens in eye care. Yep. And you're such a busy doctor. You need all the supports possible. So what if there's a program whereby your main assistant or your, your group of assistants are in tune to a level of education that helps you um, and helps the message, more importantly, leave yep. the, your clinic office with the patient. So what we've been able to do, and we, we now have hundreds of people who have successfully uh, done this they, they they're able to do a maculearn um ophthalmic text uh, uh course it takes about an hour to complete um and at the end of that once they pass once they pass um i think it's 80 percent plus they will be certified um for uh, macular nutrition certified wow. and it gives what we've seen and is that it brings the your assistants and your technicians into the community of care and it also means that when they are now representing you, speaking to the patients who may have got 50, 60% of the message from you in that busy right. journey, go on, right? And then you're next, th that there's this other layer of comfort, education, and other layer of quality. And it's about being able to answer all the questions around why tree carotenoids, you know, is it good for vision? Is it just for protection? Who should take it? Is it safe? You know, um, how long will it take? And um, so, so your team, your, 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 your colleagues having that information as well can only be beneficial and useful. So uh, we're very excited about the MacuLearn program and cl collaboration with um, Pacific Optometry as well and um, Salus Optometry in the US. They've been uh, very supportive to, to kind of pr help promote and, and coexist with this. So that's something else we've been doing. So how do people access it? So it's available on the on the website, um, uh, .com. Uh, They can you can sign in. But if if people wanted to kind of write to the info sec section there as well, we can maybe help them. And I know okay. I know organizations um, that have approached us, uh, several organizations, but MacU helping one. Um, always try and um, support doctors to find a way for their team to gain access to this information. But it's an independent website. It's available to any group, any any chain of optometrists, um, um, it's the CE for both the optometrists if they like, but also um, probably most importantly for the ophthalmic technicians. That's what that's we awesome. Well, as we wrap up, one thing I know is coming up soon, and some listeners may listen to this even after the conference is over. But can you tell everybody a little bit about what uh, is coming up soon in well, twenty twenty two. 2022. So apart from our, our, our research, which, which continues, um, we have our Bond Conference, uh, Brain and Ocular Nutrition Conference. And um, it was supposed to happen last year, but for obvious reasons, um, we, we carefully um, agreed to delay it till yeah. uh, July, the last weekend in July. And um, <laughs> as I said to, I was with the committee the other day, this is like, a, you know, Christmas for scientists, you know, in terms of wow. what we're going to get. And you, we will have a three-day event. It's it's a scientific event. Um, it, it's held in uh, down in College, Cambridge. So very powerful scientific uh, place to be. Um, the top, in my view, the the world's best scientists in vision science and macular nutrition 
um, contribute to this. We will have 25 lectures over the three days from the world's top wow. professors. And we also, and probably most importantly, have um, um, 25, 30 presentations um, from uh, new investigators. So new ideas, we call this the early investigator uh, group. Um, and there, it's just a it's just a carnival of science, and it's a very strategic meeting. Insofar as we, it's very focused to identify the future in terms of where we should go. But most importantly for me, April, it's a platform for the for the cleverest people in this area to be mm -hmm. empowered and comforted to go on their own scientific journey. And um, it, it it's just probably our biggest achievement, actually, the Bonn Conference, because. You know, we we're at, we've agreement to publish all the proceedings in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, which is great. Wow. Um, but the networking piece here will be remarkable. I've seen firsthand already, you know, top professors identify, you know, a, a PhD or a student or a postdoc that may um, be may do very well and benefit from collaboration. And we, you know, our own our own Dr. Rebecca Power, who finished her PhD with us is now working in the University of Illinois with Dr. Aaron Barbie on a Marie Curie, you know, so a remarkable wow. for Rebecca. And that's just one example of, 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 of many of these. So it's, it's very scientific, but it's, it's, it's the foundations of, of what we do. And, and then everything we do thereafter with not always in agreement, you know, that's the whole power of science. We can disagree as scientists, but ultimately there's a, there's a consistency of, of, of thought that we want to have quality science and, and that's where it begins. You know, when I talk to you in the, on a program like this and say, look, these are good for vision. It's built from a long way back as yeah. to why that is. And it's not just John Nolan or the NRCI. There's a, there's, there's a world of expertise that play into this. You know, some of the best minds. America has certainly yeah. been made. America is very important to me. It's, you know, I'm a Fulbright scholar yeah. myself and I've had the, I've had the joy of, um, you know, spending secondment time at UCSD and, and, you know, and, and again, as I did at the beginning of this podcast, um, I'd like to congratulate um, US Optometry for, 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 for have being brave and for, for doing this and for using the science and for safely implementing it. And I believe thousands of patients have benefited. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited. I get to join you at Vaughn 2022. So I will hopefully be able to bring some really cool information to our listeners. But uh, Professor, I just want to thank you so much. For all of you listeners, you can find out more information. We're going to give you information that you can click on if you're on the YouTube channel to learn more about what Professor John Nolan is doing currently and to see their website, to learn about MacuLearn. But I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're so busy and we appreciate you being here with us. It's my pleasure and congratulations on your wonderful podcast, April. I wish you every success. Thank you. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicell, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicell technology. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Opt-In with Dr. April Jasper.